I do want to say this morning as we uh, continue this sermon series that uh, last Sunday we talked about going to shake hands around the world and uh, we centered in on God's kingdom. Uh, Prior to that we've talked about what it means to be a Christian and a patriot and we've talked about God's um, justice uh, more than social justice. We've talked about God's liberties more than civil liberties and today we are going to um, begin to talk about what it means to put on my long white robe down by the riverside. Now last Sunday too I also talked about the kingdom of God being like a party. And today I want to continue that theme, but I want to talk in terms of the steps to a good party as we know them. You have to pick a date, don't you? And you have to pick a time so you can send out invitations. You have to set a theme. And you really do need a guest of honor, especially when you're throwing a birthday party and you need just the right music. And of course, you always sing that staple, happy birthday to you. You know, our text today that Andy read for us just earlier is a very familiar text out of that Pentecost party, that Pentecost experience. It, it comes to us, um, and sometimes we say Pentecost is the birthday of the church. It comes to us in the midst of that very exciting time of the word about the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ spreading throughout all of the land. This was the beginning. The Feast of Weeks was a national kind of, of Hebrew holiday. It, it was a harvest festival of sorts. It wasn't as big as Passover, which was the big celebration of the year. But it came right on the heels of the popular Passover. In fact, Pentecost, the the beginning of the Feast of Weeks, took place seven days and seven weeks plus one. And we know the significance of the perfect number seven. And, And that adds up to 50, right? And 50 is Penta. And Penta is the root of Pentecost, and that's how we get this great celebration, this party. And and so you had about a million people in Jerusalem for Pentecost, some scholars say. And, And many of them would have stayed over 50 days so that they could also experience the Feast of Weeks as many of the pilgrims did. And on Pentecost, as described in the second chapter of Acts, about... 120 disciples were gathered in that upper room and they were waiting on the unpredictable. Jesus said, go and wait there, and that they did. Jesus had commanded them to do so just before he ascended into heaven. He told them to go and wait on the power and the presence that was promised. And the disciples were not really in a partying mood. The disciples were still gathered, praying and waiting and not knowing what to expect. And and, and then they continued to harbor these feelings of doubt related to their future. It wasn't a party atmosphere when all of a sudden the wind and the fire came. The wind representing the presence, the fire representing the power. The, the, the presence and the power of God filled that place. 
And, and it spilled out from the room into the streets as they began to share the good news of the gospel. And all of the pilgrims who came from all over the world who spoke different languages, they heard the gospel in their own tongue. And the church was born. Today we're going back to talk about what happened after that miraculous event in the upper room that still happens today. The church is called to be a Pentecost party. The kingdom of God is a party. The church is a Pentecost party. And, and Peter is the main character that we have in this text that we read today. We remember what Jesus said about Peter. On this rock I shall build my church. And Peter became the leader of the apostles following the ascension of Jesus. And when God throws a Pentecost party, it is different for all of us. The gift of Pentecost gets our attention uh, because of the miraculous tongues of, of fire, the supernatural communication, and those who were filled with the Spirit proclaiming the gospel. That's where our attention goes. And they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them ability, but the Pentecost experience and the mir miraculous experience of Pentecost was that so many people came to accept Christ and the Christian faith and be baptized into the Christian faith. This morning, I'd like to compare what we understand is perhaps just a birthday party and the birthday party of the church, which is the Pentecost party. That Pentecost party that the church is called to, in essence, throw for a world in need. The first thing I'd like to say is a birthday party is one where everyone comes bearing gifts for one person. When God throws a Pentecost party, gifts are given to everyone. Gifts are given to everyone and gifts are for everyone. You know, I do believe that God leaves none of us giftless. I, I do believe that some of us have uh, discovered our gifts and maybe some of us have not discovered our gifts. Some of us use our gifts and perhaps some of us uh, have those gifts in a dormant state. We read in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, an exhaustive lift, list of the gifts of the Spirit. I, I'd like to uh, read that from the message, Eugene Peterson's The Message, and this is what it says about the gifts of the Spirit. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful, wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. You know, I believe that God... And the person of the Holy Spirit has gifted everyone. It's up to us to discover our gift. But, but the Holy Spirit also gives us the gift of the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is fruit that God would have us all possess. And all of the fruit as well. We read in Galatians 5, 
The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit we are called to bear. It's part of our witness as Christians. Not only does God not leave any of us giftless, but God desires to gift all of us with all of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, when God throws a Pentecost party, everyone receives a gift, not just the guest of honor. And and God allows all of us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to experience those gifts and in turn to share those gifts and the fruit of the Spirit which is a gift as well with all whom we meet. Secondly, this morning, I'd like to talk about at a birthday party, everyone comes expecting the predictable, right? You know what's going to happen at a birthday party. But when God throws a Pentecost party, it's full of wonderful surprises. Have you ever heard someone say, It's a God thing. It's a God thing. That phraseology is usually related to a surprise or something that is unexpected or coming together of things the the way God would have them be. And it's attributed to God. And we say, it's a God thing. The the Bible is full of stories of predictable things. Um, happenings Um, and and also the Bible is full of stories of God's surprises you know I guess some of the testimonies I hear most uh, from people in the church are, are about God's surprises how often I've talked to someone who's come back from um, a mission trip and they have said you know I know our presence meant a lot to a lot of people, but I want to tell you, I received such a gift, and I wasn't expecting that. You know, how many times I've heard people say, in the midst of a of a very difficult circumstance or period in their life, that God surprised them with presence and power and grace and peace like they would have never imagined. You know, God gives more to us even when we're giving for others. And God also never ceased to give more to us when we're giving of what we have, whether that is our time, whether that is our, 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 our gifts, or, or whether it's what we have as far as monetary gifts. Not long ago, I talked to a, a, a young man of a family, and he said that God had put a particular amount of money on his heart that, that he knew he was to give to God through the church. And he said, I, I knew it very clearly. And he said, the more I thought about it and the more I prayed, the clearer it became to me. And, and then he said, I, I, I've written a check for the amount that God put on my heart. It's kind of an odd check and an odd number, but it's the largest Check I've ever written to the church. It was $23,000. And you know, when I received that, I received that as a blessing, not just the amount, which was fairly large. I received it because this member had shared about God surprising him and putting a, an odd amount on, a, on his heart. 
And he followed through with that amount. And what a surprise it was as to what a gift he experienced from him giving that amount of money. When God throws a Pentecost party, we are called to expect the greatest surprises. And at a birthday party, everyone comes together in a place with a purpose, right? You know why you go to the birthday party. When God throws a Pentecost party, everyone is sent forth with a purpose. You know, last week we talked about the purpose statement um, of, of Jesus that he stated to Zacchaeus. He said to Zacchaeus, I have come to seek out and to save the lost. That's the purpose statement that God put on Jesus' heart. He knew very clearly what he was called to do. I've come to seek out and to save the lost. I haven't come to find good church people or good religious folk and, and, and just uh, join in the crowd and make everybody feel better. I've come out to seek out and to save the lost. You know, Jesus ascended into heaven and he promised the Holy Spirit, but before um, that promise, he, he also gave us a commandment, and it was the very commandment that the, the disciples followed uh, through on at that Pentecost party. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. But the Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of the living Lord. Who is with us always. In every circumstance that we face. Even till the end of the age. This is our call to evangelism, to make disciples, baptize disciples, teach disciples, and doing all of this with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, the living Lord with us. You know, our purpose is to be party evangelists, right? If you will, and share the good news about God's party. And, and call the church to throw a party and fill the church up with people. We talked about that last week, how that parable of Jesus about that kingdom party. Uh, the master just kept sending the servants out, and the servants are you and me. And, and we're called to go out and fill the party, fill the room up, fill the space up. That's the charge. You know, I want to talk to us briefly about two types of evangelists. You know, it's not our choice as Christians, whether we're uh, the sharers of good news, whether we're evangelists. We are evangelists. We just may have different ways of approaching the call. The first is what I'd call lifestyle evangelist. For many Christians whose hearts are full, but whose spirits are shy, Lifestyle evangelism is the best way that we can witness for Christ. Lifestyle evangelists quietly demonstrate 
in their daily living the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of us know dozens of these representatives of Christ. These are people who volunteer precious hours and who serve others tirelessly in the love of Christ that they share so freely. They're always present at church. They're always reaching out into the community. You could name them in your hearts right now, couldn't you? And maybe you are one of those lifestyle evangelists. Oftentimes, lifestyle evangelists lead others to Christ by living their witness. I read a story this past week about a monk who found a very precious gemstone. The monk put the gemstone in his knapsack and he carried it with him. One day he met a traveler in need who who asked the monk to share some of his provisions with him. And the monk opened his his knapsack to reach in to grab some of his um, food to share. And, And when he did, he touched the gemstone. And when his fingers touched the gemstone, his spirit was convicted to give the traveler the gemstone as well as share food. So he lifted out the stone that was very valuable and he gave it to the traveler. Overjoyed by his good fortune, the traveler um, having this valuable stone now went on his way just full of joy. And a few days later, however, the traveler caught up with the monk And he begged him again, Please, sir, give me something more precious than the stone. He said, Please give me that which prompted you to give me such a stone. Do you hear it? That traveler knew there was something that the monk had, a spirit, a spirit of a a living presence and power that would cause him to move with such generosity. And that, he knew, was the most precious gift of all. Just like the traveler who encountered the monk, we should ask God to give us a life that can become the gospel, that becomes so much a part of our lifestyle that we want to share it with everyone in acts of Christian service, and of Christ's love. The second kind of evangelist is a friendship evangelist. A friendship evangelist steps outside the safety of his or her own individuality and risks being in direct relationship with another. And I might add, to share relationship with Jesus Christ, not in some preachy way, but from a testimonial way. This is what Christ has done for me. Let me share what Christ has done for me. It is only in loving people and developing relationships with them that others can be loved into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, how many people who've come into the life of the church have come into the life of the church due to a relationship 
Maybe it was a parent or a grandparent. Uh, Maybe they just brought you to church and church became a part of your life fabric. Or maybe it was a friend or a neighbor who invited you to come to church, who invited you to come to that place where they were fed and are fed week after week after week. The Friendship Evangelist text is found in 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter, the eighth verse, and it says, So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. You know, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when we engage in relationships. You know, in the evenings, I have a little prayer meeting. I call it Vespers Prayer Friends. We've been doing it ever since uh, the quarantine started. Uh, months we've been doing it. And, and we just started saying at 9 o'clock or so, we're going to pray together. And people have come on from all over the country, all over the world. There'll be hundreds of people who come on um, that service and view it um, every day. And, and last night, I, I heard from one who, who, who said in the chat, she said, you know, I shared a prayer concern yesterday. And six people have messaged me personally. Six people whom I do not know. I don't have any idea who they are other than we all share in this Vespers prayer time. And they have prayed for me. And it's meant so much. We've come to discover you can develop relationships even virtually. And they're not the same, but they're powerful. And they're full of the Lord's presence. Friendship evangelists are those who surprise new friends by not only inviting them over for dinner, but inviting them uh, to church, inviting them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to end my message today by sharing one more point. At a birthday party, everyone leaves to come back again next year, right? You just have one birthday party a year, right? When God throws a Pentecost party, everyone is invited back weekly for teaching and fellowship, the breaking of the bread and prayers. That's what the scripture says. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached and 3,000 persons came to Christ and were baptized You know, I went to the Holy Land in January and we saw that very place where this likely occurred, where Peter preached. And they would have been staged on this rock wall in tears. You can see them there. And between where he preached and going into the gates of Jerusalem, there were these ceremonial baths. Everyone took a bath. Everyone went through a cleansing ritual before going into Jerusalem. And just like the Passover became reinterpreted into what we call Holy Communion, that sacramental bath became transformed into the baptism in the name of the living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Peter took the gospel into the streets, as did the other disciples. They shared. And, and they also shared to those who had come to faith. You gather with those, and you gather those into your homes, and you share the faith. You continue to nurture one another as sisters and brothers in the faith. And each and every one of us is important to another. Our being here weekly is important. Now, I know we're in this very unusual time. We're, we're in our homes we're watching today. There's no one in this beautiful room except for those who are bringing worship to you. But we long for that time when we gather together in person, when we see one another face to face. I hope that we know how important it is for Christians to gather, for us to gather and to share those holy handshakes and holy hugs. For us to gather around the Lord's table. For us to gather at the baptismal font. For us to share in relationship face to face. And that day is coming when we'll be in church together again. People count on being present. People count on you. They count on me. We count on each other. That's what this holy community is all about. You know, one thing that all of us can do is to be present in worship, virtually for right now, live streaming for right now, doing the friendship evangelism thing right now, and inviting a friend or a family member or a neighbor to come online and experience worship with us. But we realize that when we come together, when we see each other face to face, we're in the midst of a time not only when we worship, but when we teach and are taught, when we share and are being shared with. And we experience the bread of life. You know, everything we do as a church is important. Worship, Sunday school, Outreach projects, food ministry right now, meaningful involvement and, and the ministry we do is no substitute for us being together in worship. Worship is the springboard from which all ministry and outreach comes. God wants to throw a Pentecost party. Won't you come and let the living Lord give you the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit? Won't you let the living Lord surprise you with the presence and peace and power? Won't you let the living Lord send you forth with purpose? And won't you let the living Lord bring you back every week to be part of this teaching, breaking bread, praying, and fellowship. I so look forward to this room being full of your presence. For I know the presence and the power of the Lord is in this place right now. And will be in this place when you're in this place. 
and will be in you as well. Let's look forward today to a Pentecost party and next Sunday as well and the one after that and the one after that because we want to be known as the church that weekly throws a Pentecost party. Amen.